off our big mission focus for the next few weeks. And so uh, I wanted to start with that video. So you guys would see, for me, I have been a member uh, and a part of Martha Bowman for a really long time. Um, and I would just bring a box because that was what we did at Christmas time. And I didn't know the history. I didn't know where it, like, I didn't know how big it was. And so I wanted to share with you guys. It's awesome. We had our youth this morning pack boxes. Um, I don't know how many we got, like 15, 20, 24 boxes that our youth packed this morning. They've been making sweet little kits and all kinds of stuff. But I wanted you to more know that it's more than just like a few items in a box. Like, it's life-changing. These kids are going to get to hear the gospel of Jesus, and uh, it's going to be awesome. So on that note... I'm going to pray and kind of refocus and all that, and then we're going to get started. Jesus, we welcome you in this place today. Father, we pray for your spirit to just fall upon us. Um, I know for me, Lord, it's been a busy week, and it feels like I've been going in a ton of different directions. And so I pray, Lord, for the next 15 or 20 minutes that we would just clue into you. That the list that's constantly running in our brains would just slow down. Father, um, the word that's just been in my spirit so much this morning, I shared it with the band, but that the, the fragrance of heaven would just be in our nostrils in this really cold room, <laughs> that we would feel your warmth and your presence. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. So my name is Elizabeth. I'm on staff here at Martha Bowman. Um, and as I shared, we are kicking off these next two weeks. It's kind of our, our mission um, initiative, I guess you could say. And basically what that is, uh, we do mission here all year long. As I sit out and I look at this room, I can see a ton of you that I serve with on a regular basis. Uh, like I said, the youth uh, who did our boxes this morning, we had Mission Monday all summer long doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, Jenny at Brookdale, Denise and, and Jane and all the folks that write letters to the women in prison through Out of Darkness. Like We do mission here not just you know a few, a few weeks a year. Um, and there are a ton of you who do stuff, and, and I don't mention those names to make you uncomfortable or because they want the attention, but because I am so stinking blessed to be a part of a community that sees and, and loves people well. So, like, it is my complete privilege and joy. And so when we were kind of planning out the month and planning out sermons and, you know, Mark and Fran and I sat down and we were, we were kind of discussing stuff, they said, well, it's mission-focused. And I said, well, I want in if I can get in. Because this is a topic for me that's just, um, it's something I'm super passionate about. I work here at the church with our missions and community outreach. I also do a lot of stuff with our family ministry and a few other hats and different things. But this is something that is just near and dear to my heart, so I'm excited about that. Um, today's scripture passage, if you look in your bulletin, it's a super simple one. And I say that because it's one that I have read and, and come across a bunch. Um, and, and you've probably heard it often as well. I've just not unpacked it like the Lord unpacked it for me this week. So this is Luke 19, verse 10. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Uh, for those that know me well, I do a lot in the message paraphrase. That's, I love it. So the message paraphrase, it's not a, a, another translation. It's just a paraphrase in terms that my brain understands. But the message paraphrase puts it this way. The Son of Man came to seek and restore those who were lost. Um, I, I don't know. Have you guys heard that one before? Like I said, I am familiar with that passage, and probably because it's right after one of my favorite Bible stories, um, Zacchaeus. You guys know Zacchaeus? The wee one? You know the song. Anyway, the wee little man 
it's right at the end of the wee little man story. And I absolutely love the story of Zacchaeus. But I want to be upfront with you and honest, because that's important, I hear. Um, the title of today's message, it's personal. Um, I stole it from a book that I have been reading. Um, and, and the book is called It's Personal. And uh, it's super easy. It's really small. It's a, a really great read. And I've shared different excerpts of this book with different people over the last few months as I've been reading it. Because for me, it's one of those books that it's a really easy read and it has all these powerful nuggets of truth. Um, and so like something will happen in life and I'm like, oh, what's that one part? And so then I have to go back to the book and find it and be like, oh yeah, that's what it's about. Um, I, I recommend it. So anybody that has kids, works with kids, or just like comes across any sort of like humans in general. It is a great book. It's awesome. And you see today, originally, the reason that I, I'm, I'm kind of talking about this, I was going down a whole different passage um, originally with today's message. You see, when you think about missions, like there are a lot of go-tos, you know, like let's talk about the one, like, you know, the least of these, right? Um, or about the one where, you know, Jesus tells them to, you know, go out and with what's on your back and shake your sandals at those who don't welcome you. You know, there, there were a lot of passages that my brain was kind of wrapping around. Um, but then at the start of this week, a tragedy hit our community. Um, right here in Macon, right here in our neighborhood. Uh, the unexpected and unplanned passing of a few students here in, in our neighborhood, in our community. One was a young man from Stratford, and one was a young man from Mary Persons on Friday. Now, I personally did not know these young men or their families. Uh, I'm not going to really speak a lot about them, but personally, as a mom of two little boys, it really shook me this week. And so, uh, and as someone who has, in the last few months, had the privilege of working with this group of weirdos right here, our middle school and high school youth, like, it just hit really close to home for me. Um, so on Tuesday afternoon, I was sitting in the sanctuary. We, we have a, any, this is a shout out, not in my notes, but uh, there's a, a sweet group of people on, when, on Tuesday morning. We meet in the sanctuary for prayer, so y'all are welcome, 9 o'clock, be there. Um, I say 9.30, but we don't ever get done by 9.30. But later that morning, I was just sitting in the sanctuary, and I was just, I'll be honest, like I was just... I wasn't in a great, like, holy place. Like, I was kind of broken, and I was uh, kind of just mumbling, and just, Lord, I don't know what I'm feeling, and I don't know how to pray to you, and I don't know how to come to you. And, and it was in that place um, that I just felt the Lord kind of bringing me to th these different places in Scripture um, where we see the example of how Jesus really saw people. How he, he, he took time for people. He, he dove into the personal parts of people's lives. Um, how there was this magnetic factor about Jesus where he not only attracted the, unpopular, or the, the people who didn't like him, but what was it about Jesus that just drew people to him? Like the people who are overlooked, the people who are unpopular, right? Like we know all about those, the, the tax collectors and, and the prostitutes. I whisper that. It's like a bad word. The, the people who, who didn't have friends and didn't fit into community. What was it about Jesus and the holiness and the, the, the lovingness of him that drew people to him. There you go. That's my, that's, my, that's my middle, or my high school right there. I love it. So I jumped into the Bible, and I began reading. And then I, of course, picked up my sidekick book. It's personal. And I just began seeing example and example and example of, of how 
God loved and noticed everyone, everyone. You see, somehow uh, in all of my Christendom, and you know, we come to church, we sit through sermons, um, we, we read books, or we go to conferences, whatever it is that, that you know, we do to hear more about the Lord, I had missed the significance of that tiny little verse in Luke 19. You know, because I knew the truth. Of course we know. Like, Jesus came to save the world. Got it. Check. Like, we talk about that. Hello, Easter, right? That's, that's what we do. But as I read it in the context of his whole ministry, it took on this new meaning for me. That little bit in Luke 19, that was the mission statement of Jesus' whole life. Seek and save the lost. Everything he did centered around seek and save the lost. Seek and restore the lost. Everything he did, everything he was, seek and save. So let me explain a little bit what I'm talking about. The first few chapters of Luke, that's kind of where I I dove into this week. So I just picked apart... um, there are four Gospels. Luke's one of my favorites. Like, just, it's just good. And so I just began, like, help me understand the character of Jesus, the person of Jesus. I want to know what he thought, and, and I want to begin thinking about how he would have handled a situation. Because, again, if you were like me, you're raised in the church and you know the Bible story, and then you know the little songs that go along with it. But to stop and think about Jesus as a person and not a story, not a character, it, it became kind of real to me. So the first few chapters of Luke are about the story of Jesus' birth in his early life. We're going to dive into that next month. It's called Christmas, okay? But chapter 3 is where we really learn that Jesus started his life of ministry. And he jumps right in. He, he doesn't wait to be welcome. Like, he doesn't, like, wait for, like, a soft opening. Like, he just gets busy. So one of his first acts uh, in ministry, we, we hear about how he was baptized, the Holy Spirit fell upon him. One of his first acts of ministry was in his hometown, Nazareth. And so, again, the way my brain works, I began unpeeling it, um, Now, I wonder, there was a part of me that was like, I wonder if that was somewhat deliberate, like familiar faces, familiar places, like that hometown support, like let's go there first. And as he starts off reading the prophet Isaiah, he is original, like to start off, he's welcome. Like he's like, yeah, like look, who is that? It's great words. And the fact people were kind of astonished because they, they knew him. He was Joseph's son. He wasn't some elaborate orator. Like, this was, this is the carpenter. Like, this is the guy that we've seen grow up. And, of course, then Jesus told them, of course you wouldn't welcome me. Prophets aren't welcomed in their hometown. And uh, he began to unpack how all throughout the Old Testament there were people who believed and people who didn't believe. And only those who believed were saved. And, of course, that made the folks hearing him a little cranky. And so what they did is they actually banished him from his hometown. Scripture tells us in, in Luke, Luke 4, I think, that they took him out to the mountainside to throw him to his death. So you're like, wow, like that's like right out the gate, Right. He escapes, thankfully. But already he's ruffling feathers. Because, see, these were people he knew. These were people he had grown up with. These are people he, he, he might have been in, like, business with as the carpenter, right? He did lunch with these folks. But his mission was seek and save. So he, he didn't alter his message for the comfort of those hearing him. He, he didn't soften it up a bit so that it would come across politically correct or nicer, 
He didn't have time for that. He spoke truth. And, and from that place, he, he was off. So all throughout the book of Luke, we have these examples of, of Jesus teaching. We have the parables that he teaches. Um, we hear about how he ate dinner. That, that, that is one of the things about Jesus where I was like, man, we just would have hit it off. I don't know about you. Any new restaurant, any, like I'm a big food fan. Uh, I love it. You know, so, but, but, but that's what Jesus did. He would meet people. He's like, let's eat. Let, let's take our shoes off. Let's, let's you know, take a break. Let's, let's get to know each other. And, and these are stories that we hear a lot. And then we hear about the awesome personal encounters that he have. He, he drove out demons. He healed folks. He called his first disciples. I'm, I'm just walking you through some of those steps in Luke. We hear about how the nets were overflowing and they were bursting with fish just at Jesus' command. Healing the centurion's daughter, raising the widow's son, meeting the sinful woman, and having his feet washed with her perfume. This was a part of who Jesus was. And everywhere Jesus went, there was pushback. There were people who didn't get it, people who didn't understand, people who were offended, people who wanted to stop him. Seek and save. Jesus had one goal in mind. His mission was to seek and save. You see, eternity... It was too long for Jesus to be silent. It was too costly for him to not get to the bottom of it right away. So for all of those familiar stories that we know, the woman with perfume, the disciples, the man with leprosy, um, sometimes in church, like I said, we are so familiar with the church stuff that for me at least, I miss the insight of these stories. In the moment, as Jesus was encountering these people, he had no eyes for anybody else. See, like me, like I'm constantly distracted. My children is talking to me and I'm thinking about like, what did I just hear the news say? But not Jesus. Like he was like tunnel vision. So everywhere and every person that he encountered, he had eyes for no one else. He was willing to be interrupted so that he could sit down and have dinner with the tax collector who nobody liked, who was probably incredibly lonely and who just wanted somebody to notice him. Jesus was the one who stopped and had time for the women that was always shamed and, and looked down upon by all the other women in the market. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know, ladies, right? We know, but, but he had no eyes for anybody else. He just locked in on them. And he made life change because for him it was personal, seek and save. It wasn't like this idea of like him having a tally chart. Like in my mind, I'm like, I wonder if Jesus was like, tick, tick got him, got him. No, it wasn't about that. Jesus was personal with every person he encountered. And to Jesus, these weren't just stories. You know, like we talk about in youth or we talk about in kids ministry or, or even in your Sunday school class. Well, you guys know the story of, I was in, uh, I had that encounter last night. I was, uh, we went to a concert with our youth and um, the, the guy who was leading, he's like, well, you guys know the story in Second Chronicles 20. And I was like, you guys all read Second Chronicles? Who else knows that story? But, but we, we, we see these things as stories, but to Jesus, they, they were people. They were lives changed. To Jesus, they were restoration. To Jesus, they were healing. To Jesus, this was the future, right? This wasn't just this dead-end, no-hope person anymore. He saw them and was like, man, I know what your tomorrow is going to be, and it's going to be so much better than anything you could ever wrap your brain around. It's personal. And for Jesus, and for us too, 
It's supposed to be more than a feel-good thing. It's supposed to be more than like, check, I brought my five cans, which, by the way, I want you all to do next week if you look at that insert in your bulletin. We'll get to that in a minute. But it's more than that. It's not just about the right thing to do. These people needed eternity. And Jesus knew it. Seek and save. He took time for them because eternity was more important than his schedule. He took time for them because forever in heaven was more important than whatever sort of job he was trying to elevate himself to. He didn't care about being the best prophet in the land. He was the only prophet that mattered. But for him, that title didn't matter. It was the individuals who were so lost, so broken, and in need of forever with him. And so he made time for it. We get to one of my favorite Bible stories, Zacchaeus, as I said, the wee one. Unpopular, talked about, a cheater. I mean, like, I mean, let's not just feel bad. I mean, he, he was a, a turkey. Like, he, he wasn't a good guy. But man, Jesus saw that. And, you know, I, I picture in my mind this book. I, actually, the book kind of hits on Zacchaeus a minute. But it, 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 it's this idea that, like, so Zacchaeus was short. Maybe that's why I resonate with him. But he sees this huge crowd, and he knows this super popular figure. And he's like, okay. So, like, I could see him trying to, like, like push in through the crowd. But everyone's like, Zacchaeus, we hate him. And they just elbow him out of the way, right? And so here's Zacchaeus, and, he, like, he can't get, like, a good view because, number one, he's little. And number two, like, nobody wants to be around him. Like, who is that guy? Just, like, get to the back of the bus. But he sees this tree. I don't know exactly what a sycamore tree looks like, but in my mind, I don't know. It must be big-ish. So he gets to the sycamore tree, and he climbs way up in it, and he's like, man, view. And not only does he have a view of Jesus, he has nobody else elbowing him and looking at him in disgust and whatever. And what does Jesus do? He stops right under that tree, and he looks up. He's like, hey, Zacchaeus, do you know how, how long it must have been for Zacchaeus to hear somebody like call his name in a way that was not ugly? Like, man, to hear your name spoken with intention and purpose and hope. Zacchaeus, hey, man, what you doing up there? <laughs> what are you doing in the tree? Can we hang out? Can we get some food? Can you tell me about yourself? Tell me about your life? And in that moment, Zacchaeus was seen, and he had his needs met in a physical way. And now here's the other thing, the thing that kind of rocks me about Zacchaeus a little bit is Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem when the story of Zacchaeus happens. Jesus, this is like right before triumphal entry and the palm branches, all that kind of stuff. So in my mind, like I could imagine like physically as Jesus is walking towards Jerusalem, the weight of what he knows is about to happen is upon him, right? Like, whoa. But what does he do? He stops and he sees the man that needed somebody to see him. And he called him by name. And he took time out of his agenda to go and be crucified for the whole wide world and said, man, Zacchaeus, you matter. I want to seek and save those that are lost. I see you, Zacchaeus, and you matter. It just kind of gives me chill bumps because I love that I belong to a God who knows every single one of us in this room. Every single one of us in this room. The ins, the outs, the things about us that nobody else knows or that we think nobody else knows. And he still calls us, and he still chooses us. And he still says, hey, man, when you get time, I would love to do coffee with you. 
sit down and just enjoy my presence because I want to call you by name and know you individually. I'm going to kind of wrap up a little bit, but not like for the band to come up. I'll tell you when that happens. Um, John, uh, chapter 3 of Luke, this is kind of where, where we started off. Chapter 3 is John the Baptist, and uh, he was a wild man. He's out in the wilderness, and he's preaching, and um, I just love John the Baptist. Like, he just says it like it is. Like, you know, like those people who say things, and you're like, I don't know what you're trying to say, because what you said wasn't exactly what I think you said, but nope, John was like a straight shooter. So John was out there, and this is uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 7 to 9, and this is the message paraphrase. He said, when, when crowds of people came out for baptism, because it was the popular thing to do, John exploded. And John said, you brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skin is going to deflect God's judgment? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't you think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham is father? Being a child of Abraham is neither here nor there. Children of Abraham are a dime a dozen. God can make children from stones if he wants. What counts is your life. Is it green and flourishing? Because if it is dead wood, it will go in the fire. And John just lays it out. You see, the people were coming out because it was the popular thing to do, right? Like you hear, I want to go there. I mean, if everybody's going there, I want to be, be a part of that party, right? Like, let's follow the masses. And he calls them on it. And he said, it's, it's not about your appearance. It's not about looking right. It's not about looking the part. What is on the inside? What is in your heart? What counts is your life? Is your life flourishing and alive? Or is it dead and just kind of in, in that stale, still place? Because if that's the case, it, it says it goes in the fire. So, missions, say Martha Bowman. You guys, the reason that, that I think God stirred my spirit with this passage today was... You know, we talk about some of the stuff we do here, and it's like, okay, how, how does serving hot dogs to 60 people at daybreak once a month really make a huge difference? And you know what? I don't know. I don't know. But when I go and I hand out that brown paper bag with like a somewhat maybe lukewarm hot dog because we cooked it like 30 minutes ago and whatever, and that guy sees me and he smiles and I say, hey, Philip, I hope you have a great week. Here's your hot dog. That makes Philip a little more open and receptive to whoever that next person that Philip encounters and says, hey, Philip, I have a, I have a, a devotion I'd love to share with you. Or, hey, Philip, would, would you mind coming and, and sitting down with me? Can I talk with you about how much Jesus loves you? You know, that hot dog doesn't mean a lot. But if we have the vision of seek and save, man, that hot dog is eternity, Right? And it sounds silly, bringing a can, which, by the way, all of you are going to do next week, bringing a can of, of whatever for our campaign to help with making outreach, which is awesome. And you're like, man, what? You know, it's the motive behind what you're doing. If you're checking off the list because it's the good thing to do, I want to bring the big bag so everybody sees me, like, breaking my back, carrying this heavy bag in. That's different. But if your objective is, man, I know that when people are fed, they're going to be more open and more receptive to people who just want to do life with them. They're, not, they're going to be a little less angry, a little less cranky. Um, when we talk about Operation Christmas Child and these boxes that we're sending to kids that we have no idea who they are, and we put this tiny little picture of a Polaroid of... Griffin in his big hair, and we say, hey, I'm Griffin, who are you? 
I can't even imagine what that kid is going to do when they open that box and they see Griff and they're like, wow, this kid on the other side of the world cared enough about me to take his time and make a box. And then from there, the gospel is shared because why? That kid got a present. And then they're all that more receptive to hear about this big God who notices them and loves them. I remember with Operation Christmas Child, I heard the story of this guy who was like, man, I got a toothbrush in my box. And it was awesome because at that point, all nine of us in our house were using one. So now I got my own. And I was like, gross, but awesome. Because God sees the individual needs of each of us. Because his mission for each of us was to seek us out and to save us so that eternity was possible. And what is our mission as followers of Jesus Christ? To seek and save everybody we come in contact with. Everybody at the law office that we work with. Everybody that we see in our places of influence. The people that we might be, you know, as I mentioned, where, where Jesus was in his hometown and, and he didn't shy away from saying the thing that needed to be said because for him, seeking and saving was too important than fitting in and being popular. So today, guys, my challenge to you as we, as we go throughout, um, next week you're going to hear from Pastor Mark kind of hitting on, uh, the, you know, these passages as it relates to, to service and generosity and mission. We serve and love a huge God, and he is calling you to be a person of mission, to be a son and daughter of mission. So you get to ask yourself, what does that look like? Maybe you have an idea and you're like, you know what, I think Martha needs to get behind this project. Let me know about it. I love those kind of conversations. Because God calls us to be open and see the needs. Y'all, it's personal. It's personal. I say Philip. I, I can name off all the folks. I know a lot of you can. The people that you encounter, the people that you serve a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to. What's this going to do? For me, not a lot. But for them, it could be the complete opening of an incredible forever with Jesus. So, guys, the band, this is the time you guys can come up if you'd like. Um, as the band goes into this next song, it's one of my absolute favorites. Uh, my five-year-old and seven-year-old belt it at the top of their lungs. It's incredible. But it's a time that I'm asking you personally, whether you're where you're at, whether you're down on the altar, whatever it is, ask yourself, God, what are you calling me to? What is my mission? If it's to bring six boxes of cans next week, rock on. That's great. But do it with the mindset that it is going to change somebody's life. Okay? Let's